Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. We're tuning in to the Cyber Hub and CISO Talk Podcast, Veteran November Series that honors the brave men and women who serve this nation by sharing their stories of service. Each year for the entire month of November, we publish a daily podcast about these veterans. Buckle up and get ready for Veteran November. And now your host, James Azar. Well, everyone, welcome to another great episode of Veteran November. I have a very special guest with me, a very, very special human being who, uh, from the moment I landed in Atlanta, um, just really was uh, was instrumental in uh, bridging and bringing the community in uh, to help me uh, assimilate and integrate into the Georgia community. Mr. West Knight, he's uh, used to be the CISO over for the Georgia Department of Revenue, where he would gladly secure to make sure that your tax money went where it's supposed to go. Um, right. And now, that your data stayed where it was supposed to stay. <laughs> right. And that your data stayed where it was supposed to stay. And now you're the CISO over at Needling Worldwide. Thank you for being here, Wes. How's it going? Great. I'm glad to be here, man. It's good talking to you. It's great having you on the show, folks. We publish these Veteran November episodes every single day for the month of November, Monday through Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you tune in. A simple thank you in the comments is, is really uh, all, all you can write to, to show appreciation for these uh, brave men and women who were part of the show um, and, and, and did so much for our nation. Um, I'm going to guess, and I'm going to ask you a question I already know the answer to, right? But uh, Wes, what part of uh, the military did you serve in and what did you do in the service? Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, whoops, wrong shoulder. 82nd Airborne. Um, uh, I, I led a, a small a small team. Um, we we kind of did whatever they told us to do. So, but it was a great team, great organization, um, all American. What the AA stands for, not Alcohol Anonymous, like the like the guys over in Hundred First will tell you it stands for. So, <laughs> and and how long were you enlisted for, Wes? Just just a couple of years. Okay, uh, seventy three, seventy five, that time range. So, and actually, I wasn't enlisted; I was an officer. But. So, so you, I, I did little, little to nothing. I was an officer. <laughs> so you, you essentially bossed everyone around and then ate good chow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, we we spent most of our time uh, out in the woods, and uh, so the chow was uh, what you made of it, I guess is the best way to put that. This was back before MREs and all that kind of stuff. We're talking C's and uh, and what you could catch. So I, I think that's the uh, that's what makes man right. We're hunters and gatherers. Yeah. If yeah. you're in the woods, you're hunting, you're gathering, you're eating. You don't hunt, you don't gather, you starve. Starve. That's right. <laughs> uh, MREs are kind of you know we go back a hundred years. What's MREs right? Like I think a, a soldier a hundred years ago would look at us and go. Guys have MREs. What right. they go? We went to battle. Then at night we had to go hunt to get to get food for everyone. Um, That's right. We wanted to get protein in people. That's right. Um, I, I uh, when I was at Georgia State, I was in ROTC at Georgia State, and uh, I, I leaned onto a teacher's desk to, to ask her a question, and my my uh, dog tag swung out, and it had a, a P thirty eight on it. Uh, you know the little can opener. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And she, she said, what, what is that? And I said, it's my dog tags. And she said, no, what's that? And I said, oh, it's P38. It's a can opener. She said, why do you wear a can opener around your neck? <laughs> it's like, why don't you? I, you know, it's just, uh, you need them. You got to have them. So. Yeah, you live off of cans. You got to have a can opener to open them. Um, right. But why did you enlist, um, Wes? Because... You know, a, a lot of countries have mandatory service. Our nation right. does not. You volunteer to wear the uniform, and it's the highest honor many people uh, uh, do in their lifetime. What was your motivation uh, in enlisting? Well, part of it, a lot of it was financial, to be honest with you. I, I was in junior or LTC in high school uh, for three years. Really loved it. Um, I... Uh, the the regular army guy that was in charge of us was a, a colonel colonel stewart and he suggested that i could probably get a scholarship from the army to pay my way through college if i did rotc in college and then went in the army afterwards so um i did that uh, i did get the scholarship and that's that's it was how i attended college was on the an army scholarship and again the the at the end of that then they require a a uh, a period of service, uh, maximum of four years. Um, NAM was kind of winding down, so they they cut those times shorter as a rule. Some people only ended up doing a few months, um, but it it I enjoyed um, the camaraderie that we had um, and looked forward as I went through the ROTC stuff and went into the the army. Um, it was just a real privilege to, to wear the uniform, as you said. It was an honor, um, an honor to serve with the guys. I met uh, met some of the greatest guys I've ever known uh, that uh, in the in the military, and uh, look back on that time uh, mostly uh, with good good memories. Yeah, I think that's that's really instrumental. Is um, the experience of the service is always the people that were around us, right? You look at the military, though it's uh, it's really like better than any university. It's 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 the hard knock school. If you look back at your time and you look at one skill that the military taught you that's really been instrumental in your life and in your impressive career, what would that one uh, skill be? I I I truly think that what I learned about leadership in the army um, was the most important thing I brought home with me. Um, leadership 
was not about me being successful. Um, yeah, you had the mission, you had to accomplish the mission, but it was about the people that worked for you. It was about building a team that trusted and supported each other and that you could count on um, guys you could listen to. I, I was thinking, I was telling somebody the story the other day when I was a brand new butter bar, um, I had a, a, and I think of this guy like a grizzly bear, but he was the command sergeant major. And he said to me, he and he gave me two pieces of advice. He said it was the best best advice he could give me. Number one was stay out of Vietnam, which is what they call Fayetteville, which is right outside of Bragg. Uh -huh. And number two was find me a good sergeant and listen to him. Uh, and I did both of those things pretty much. And they were, uh, especially the part about the sergeant, was great. Those guys had a lot more experience. Uh, I had the rank, they had the experience and listening to them. Um, and again, building that team that I could trust and they learned they could trust me. Uh, that, that really, that's, that's just a core part of, of a leader today as a CISO or, or whatever job you have, if you're trying to lead a team, it's not being the boss. Um, it's, it's being the leader and that means taking care of your people means getting the mission done and, and actually taking care of your upline, taking care of your clan structure. Indeed. You know, you, you look, you talk about leadership and, um, it, it's one way a lot of us view our country as a leader, but when you look at it and you think of, of, of our, our great nation, you think of America, what, what does America symbolize for you? America is all about freedom, the flag, God. Um, we were, you know, founded on, uh, and I know people want to argue this, but I absolutely believe we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Um, and while we adhered to that, we became a great country. We've backed off from that to a large degree today, and I think that's a big part of our um well, we're not quite the leader country that we really have always been and, and, and should be again. Yeah, there's, um, you know, the one thing, you know, I constantly hear when we talk about this country is opportunity. What yep. you just described is the epitome of, uh, of something very interesting. Um, I was uh, listening to Bill Maher uh, uh, just this morning before we recorded and he was uh, traveling somewhere, and he said his a cab driver was uh, a, 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 an American of Bosnian descent who left Bosnia uh, uh, before the war there almost uh, 20 years ago and then came to this country. And he's now an American citizen, and he drives a cab. Um, and he asked, and, and, and he got into a conversation with him, and he goes, um, I know what the other side looks like, and there's no way I'd ever let this country get there. Um, but some of the rhetoric is very similar to what we saw back then. Um, I think the one thing we all need to realize, though, is that um, America has no one shape or color. America is a melting pot of all kinds of culture. That's how it was from the very from its very inception, right? It was Dutch, Spanish, British, Irish, Italians. Yep. Um, you know, it was never just uh, just just one one group of people. If you look at, go ahead. Please, I was going to say, you know, and I think if you look at the military, um, you see a lot of that. You know, well, we, we I served with guys from, I mean, every every 
group of people almost you could think with, yep. think about. Um, and you, you, you learn, you got more in common than you don't. And as long as you're, you're, you've got the same objectives and you're headed the same way, you know, you help each other and you support each other and you, you, you realize you're building on, on a co- on common ground. Yeah. I think the one thing, the, the one thing I would point out is what we're going through now is a, a small faction that's trying to turn on a bigger faction into a faction, a faction war. But what it really is, is a small group of people. Cause in, in the military, if you look at any of our unit pictures, uh, no one, I mean, we had every single uh, race background and creed, um, uh, in our units and, and no one ever yeah, did that. So absolutely. If you look at, you know, one key takeaway from your transition at the end of your service, what would that be? Well, coming, coming out of the, you know, I work with a lot of vets. Uh, Needling has a lot of vets that work with us and, and for us. And uh, most of those guys were, you know, like communications people, information security wasn't really a thing, but some of them were IT people and some were communication signal core guys. Um, come out of the infantry, um, uh, unless you are going to translate into uh, law enforcement, you know, there's, there's really not a lot of way to map those skills. But the leadership role and the ability to communicate um, those those two characteristics, I think, served me well as I moved into. Uh, I went to work for IBM, worked for IBM for a lot of years, um, and then started my own company and ended up again, like we were talking earlier, at the revenue department. Um, but those skills, communications, leadership, relationship, those types of things that I really kind of learned in the army. Um, that really, that really was what I I brought home from the army that helped me uh, be be successful in, in civilian life. Indeed. And as we wrap up, you kind of mentioned this a little bit ago, but I, I, I want to uh, ask you to just talk about one thing you loved about your military service. It was a people, basically. Um, I have been all over the world and, and as a civilian, uh, I work in for IBM, have my own company. Uh, and like, like you, I've traveled extensively. Um, this is a great country and it is made up of great people. Uh, the folks I, I knew in the army were some of the best people I ever I ever met because they were willing to lay it on the line. Uh, and they were willing to, to, to you know, uh, today they say, watch your six. We didn't say that back in the old days, but right. um, you know, they had your back and you knew they had your back. You didn't have to worry about it. Uh, and, and having that kind of friendship and that kind of uh, camaraderie, uh, it was an amazing, uh, thing and it, it really is probably the only thing I don't miss sleeping in the dirt. I don't miss the bad coffee. I don't miss, you know, uh, all those types of things. But I do miss the people. I miss the camaraderie. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That is uh, one thing I, I desperately miss is the camaraderie and um, I, I, I miss the the dirt and the coffee and the MREs every now and then. Uh, there was something special about the moments where uh, where you know you sat and you kind of. All, you know, MREs were essentially trade baskets, different snacks and different boxes had different value. We had our own little barter system going on. Um, but, you know, if you if you got a good MRE, man, you were set. 
James, back 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 in my day with C's, it was fruit cocktail. If you if you got a can of fruit cocktail, you you struck gold because you could trade that for almost anything. Um, and that really was good. I mean, you know, you think about that, but it was sweet and wet and it was so good. And literally, if you were willing to part with it, you could get, you know, almost anything you could think of from uh, the folks out there. Cause that was such a such a choice item when you when you landed that one. That lets people know when you enlist in the service, you're definitely not doing it for any other reason uh, no. because of that. Uh, Wes, thank you so much for your service and thank you for coming on Veteran November. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, James. Appreciate you, buddy. Folks, uh, here's another episode of Veteran November. Again, every single day, 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll get another uh, veteran story here. Please make sure to tune in. And thank you in the comments. A big like and subscribe. Till next time, have a great rest of your day wherever you're tuning in from. And God bless the United States of America. Amen. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.